Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I'm TK, joined by Andrew Holly. Holly, victory week. How are we feeling? Man, it feels good to win every week, but definitely week one. Let's get that that uh, season started off right. And for the third season in a row, the Ravens winning big on opening day. Oh, yeah, it was a big, big time dominant performance. Uh, the Ravens were the better team from the first snap until the last one. Uh, you know, a lot of people were concerned about the game a little bit because of uh, some of the Browns offensive weapons and, you know, Miles Garrett and that kind of stuff. But Lamar Jackson and company kind of put that to rest. So we're going to talk about our offense, defense and special teams like usual. And we will go through our segments. And for our new listeners, we'll kind of describe our segments as we go through. But we're going to give out a game ball, um, pick a pop of the week, put somebody on the bulletin board. And a new one is going to be the overreaction of the week. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. So let's start with this offense. There's a lot to talk about here because of how efficient the Ravens offense was. Uh you can start wherever you want. I mean, take your choice. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think I, I, I said this at the end of the first half. I think we were, we were texting throughout the game. And I'm pretty sure I texted you this. Clinical. Mm-hmm. That, that is what the Ravens offense was on Sunday. They capitalized pretty much at every point. They wanted to capitalize. They had their way for the most part with the Cleveland defense. Um, you know, aside from that, you know, the fumble from Ricard, you know, I think Lamar was charged with the fumble, but I think that was actually a pitch, that weird kind of play mm-hmm. that we ended up with a first down in the red zone. Um, you know, so really, I mean, Lamar was pretty much perfect throughout the day. I, I mean, his worst throw was, I think, a touchdown to Andrews, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah, um, the first one. Yeah, the first touchdown. So, I mean, pretty much offensively, you know, aside from the the injury to Stanley that appears to hopefully not be that serious, um, it was pretty much as they drew it up. Yeah, absolutely. So we're here on Thursday the 17th, and uh, Stanley was back at practice, was a full participant today. So that's really good news. Um, the fumble by Ricard, not great, especially in the red zone. But, um, you know, he's just not a natural ball, ball carrier, I guess. He's not going to be a gonna guy That's going to happen. That, Let's face yeah. it. That's going to happen when you try to get too cute with the defensive lineman that's not your fullback. I mean, you know, I love Ricard, but we've got a lot of other options there. We should probably not get too cute. Yeah, that's true. But what I did want to point out um, is it doesn't seem like a doghouse situation because no. the next offensive series – uh, where the punt was down to the one-yard line and the Ravens went for 99 yards. Um, Ricard was the primary target and had a reception on a second and eight from the three-yard line. So it's not as though they shied away from giving him the ball again. You know, they, they called a play for him to be the primary read. He made the catch. He turned the corner. He got a first down and got out from under the goalpost shadows. So... You know, it's it, it, that's really good for me to see just because, I mean, there's not a way to 
fast doghouse situation that maybe Harbaugh was known for earlier in his tenure with the Ravens. But um, it was great to see Ricard bounce back that quickly. And um, yeah, I mean, just just the trust in him that they have is is good to see uh, from my point of view. Agreed. You know, it's funny you brought up the doghouse thing. It didn't really it didn't come to mind too much of although I was happy to see them go back to the well more in a receiving option. I don't know. Mm -hmm. In my mind. That's where he's going to be a weapon if if he's really going to be a weapon in, 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 you know, moving the ball outside of blocking. You know, I see it as that more that third tight end role, you know, that yep. he ends up uh, filling. So I, I'm glad they went back to the well that way. We I'll be honest, we have way too many skilled running backs. I, I don't. I'm not faulting them for calling the play, mind you. This isn't – I'm not trying to money morning quarterback. But moving forward, I, I think I'd rather just see other guys carry the ball. Yeah, for sure. And I get that, that you have to establish him as a threat. Um, but all in all, I, I'm just glad that they went right back to him. That shows sure. the mindset of the coaching staff that, you know what, it's all good. You know, he's our guy. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciated that from them. I'm sure Pat did, too. Um, I mean, Lamar Jackson is is unbelievable. You know, the, the numbers, if you look at the box score, don't jump out But uh, aside from the touchdowns. But the efficiency, the precision, the cold-blooded throws that he was making, you know, to just drive daggers into the Browns was once again at MVP level. He looked fantastic throwing the ball. He really did. I, I mean, he he hasn't missed a beat, if not even looked better than he did from the end of last year. Um, he his confidence throwing the ball, his confidence in the pocket. You know, we were talking a little bit before we recorded. It's pretty obvious that he's in the pocket now to throw. And, you know, there weren't really a lot of designed runs for him. You know, sure, I think I think you said he ran the ball about seven times, but I think we can all agree it certainly didn't look like there were two more than a handful of those were actually designed runs where last year he might have had all of them, you know, be designed runs in some way, shape or form. So I, I think it, it's going to be interesting to see how that changes from week to week. But that's that's the biggest evolution for me this year is now obviously small sample size, but but seeing him at least seemingly seemed that much calmer in the pocket, which let's be real, pocket presence wasn't ever a problem, which really is what sets him apart from people like a Kyle Bowler, certainly, but even like a Michael Vick, because Michael Vick was always looking to run, where I think even Lamar, even as a rookie, wasn't necessarily always just looking to run. So that evolution now in his third year with better receivers around him, with the game slowing down around him, you could already see it. it, it it's going to be special the, the longer he, he plays. Yeah, 
for sure. I mean, he gets through his progressions. It's not just one read and take off. Um, you know, he gets through his receivers. You know, I, I, I thought I think that the offensive line has a little bit more gelling to do in week one without a preseason, all that. I get it. So I'm not going to be too hard on them. But, you know, he was able to feel out the pocket. He, he rolled out when he needed to. He scrambled when he needed to and was able to make 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 those plays with his with his arm which is you know borderline indefensible for for other teams i mean some of the throws that he was making on the run and on on that uh 99 yard drive you know we just talked about the one before we before we started recording we just talked about the the throw to the right to hollywood who kind of just sat in the weak spot of the zone um Stepping up to make that throw to uh, Mark Andrews on a third down, I think that was a different drive. But you know, over the sh- over the head of the uh, defender, and, and Andrews kind of high pointed mm-hmm. it. I mean, some of these throws that he's making as he manipulates the pocket is you know so precise. I think my favorite throw on the day was the touchdown to Willie Sneed. Uh, just that the touch on that was awesome you know, to not only fit it over the first defender in front of Sneed, but to sneak it in to keep Sneed away from a big hit and, you know, Mm -hmm. able to stroll into the end zone. That's, that's a really, really challenging throw. That's, you know, again, an MVP throw that he made. And and that was my favorite one on the day, but uh, yeah, he, he looked really good. Um, The, the running game, you know, we knew that the Browns front was, was, pretty solid between Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi and uh, Olivier Vernon. Um, you know, not the high-efficiency run game that we got used to last year, but I think they did enough uh, to make some of their some of the Browns linebackers hesitate a little bit, and uh, which just opened up more passing lanes. And uh, definitely they went with the with the air attack as their as their choice against the Browns. And clearly, uh, paid off quite well it truly did I mean we got a little bit of a taste of uh, J.K. Dobbins with two touchdowns you know but mostly what we got to see as you said was the aerial attack I mean the confidence as we said with Lamar but even the you know the little bit of a taste I mean it's funny we say a little bit he had what five or six catches for 100 yards but you know Hollywood had a, a quiet really good game Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the times he touched the ball, it was kind of like, oh yeah, there's, there's Hollywood and he is just smooth and faster than other people. And he finds the open area in the defense and Lamar knows where to get him. I mean, that, that really is going to be fun to see a healthy Hollywood. I mean, if, if he effortlessly can get a handful of catches for a hundred yards every week, I can't wait to see what happens when he really turns it on, you know, um, that that's going to be fun. You know, the other side of things is Devin DuVernay. He only had one catch for about 12 yards, but that was the most, one of the more exciting screen passes for 12 yards that I've watched in a while, mainly because he did not look like a rookie catching that ball. Not that it was necessarily a hard play for a wide receiver, but he is a thick, stout young man with strong hands, and he's fast as hell. He got up the field so fast. Um, I love that play design as well to kind of put the pressure on the defense out there, having the two tight ends, Boyle and Andrews, kind of 
stretching out for the blocks out there. I thought that was a really cool design. I think that that needs to stay a part of the offense just so that, uh, you know, gives something else for the rate for the, uh, for the defenses to think about. But I did like that play call a lot. I did. I do like DuVernay in that role and in the kick return game as well, which we'll talk about later. But, uh, you know, his speed is obvious as well. And, um, you know, just another, another nice part of this offense that we can we can look forward to contributing here and there um, before he gets a bigger role, maybe hopefully a little later on. Um, I did want to talk a little about a little bit about the offensive line. I know that um, I wasn't going to get too hard on them, you know, especially with Stanley going down. Tyree Phillips at right guard, I think, for his first career start against a pretty solid front. Um, good, not great, but being a rookie moving to right guard from playing left tackle in college, still good. Um, and, and starting week one for a John yeah, Harbaugh team as a rookie, the fact that we've had several rookies from this draft who started without a training camp week or, or not a training camp, but without preseason games in week one. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it's impressive. impressive. It's in, yeah, it's impressive for him to step in and just be ready to go like that. Um, I did want to talk about DJ Fluker a little bit. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't inspire the most confidence in <laughs> me uh, as as our swing tackle. He had some questionable pass sets that led to pressures. One one led to a, a hit on Lamar. Uh, but I will say to Fluker's credit, you know, he is – Known for being a really solid run blocker, he had a really, really nice block on Dobbins' second touchdown run, pulling over to the right. So, you know, he did what he is good at. And, and you know, I guess that's what you can ask a player to do. But um, blocking Lamar's blindside, I'm not entirely comfortable there yet. Um, and I think that's fair. I, I mean... I know I, I mean, be too look, hard. He is our swing tackle. I mean, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like and and I'll I'll say this for DJ Fluker. I mean, he he also played a lot whole lot of guard, you mm-hmm. know, during during training camp because I know he was now look, it's not like we were in every practice or reporters were were in every practice, but I imagine most of his focus was on that side of the ball. So the fact that he suddenly was playing left tackle. I, I, you know, and again, no games, everything else about it, you know, uh, or no preseason games, I mean. So I, I actually give him a lot of credit, to be honest with you, for being able to stand in and, and, and do okay. Um, not that I, I was all that excited, uh, but let's face it, if, if Ronnie Stanley goes down, we, we've, we've just got a lot of problems. I mean, that's. That's just the reality, I think, of any left tackle going down in the NFL, yeah. but especially one as good as Ronnie Stanley. Like, I don't know. I don't know who, you know, aside from having a first round pick in the wings, you know, I'm not sure who who we could really be all that comfortable with to come in and and play. You know what I mean? Yes, and I think every NFL team has that problem, like you said. I mean, there's just not that many good offensive linemen out there especially yeah when you're used to watching ronnie stanley go in and dominate and now that's the four said, quarters. We also have calais campbell on the other side of the ball and i think we 
we may have texted about this on Sunday, but, you know, he did come here to the team that has Patrick Ricard. So why not play Calais Campbell as both your left tackle and your defensive tackle, you know, defensive end? I I think that, I think that makes complete sense, personally. Right, and he's on the field goal team. You know, just yeah, just throw him out there every snap. Yeah, yeah, he's on the I field mean, goal team. I mean, he might as well. I mean, hey, if, if uh, the worst occurs, and let's face it, it's 2020, so who knows? But if the worst thing happens, hey, I, I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm not <laughs> sure if the Ravens or Calais Campbell are, but I, I am. Um. Yeah, I'm going to leave that decision <laughs> to the coaches. <laughs> I don't think I'm on board with that one. No, but no, um, no. yeah, let's see. I mean, overall, Ravens offense very good. You know, if if you're finding problems, you're probably nitpicking, and I'm nitpicking when I say that. So, um, you know, I'm I'm pleased with the way that everything came together, and uh, you know, I think that they're going to have another good opportunity in week two to play well again against a uh, a Texans defense that just got lit up last week, but. Um, Anything else to add on the offense before we flip it over? You know, I, the, the last thing I'll, I'll add on offense is how much I, I continue to love Mark Ingram. You know, if you haven't already out there, go watch the, you know, mic'd up stuff from the game with Mark Ingram. And, you know, he's apparently the new hype man for the team. He, at least he was Sunday. We'll see if he continues to be the rest of the game or the rest of the season, but you know, he is a joy. And I just, I love Mark Ingram. I wish I could be his best friend. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. So one of, so the players have mentioned something that Harbaugh is preaching this year. And, and, you know, it seems like he always has one theme every season. And this year's theme is bring your own energy. And Mark Ingram has no issues with that. He brings None. enough energy for, you know, the entire team. And, and, you know, that Ravens Wired episode that you're referring to, it's like a 10 minute long video. And I think he's talking for about nine minutes and 38 seconds uh, of it. It is. I mean, his whole I mean the guy just Mark does Andrews, not stop. And I'm like, I'm so glad I gave you my name and all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm so The guy brings it, man. Awesome. I, I love that, man. I, I truly Every do. Day. I, I wanna I wanna be best friends with that guy and just play video games with him or something dumb. But you and, know, anyway. You know, I'll tell you what, I'm sure he wasn't thrilled with losing goal line carries to Dobbins. Uh that goal line carry in the first half and then the one in I believe Dobbins second run was in the second half. So maybe they were just resting Ingram at that point. But he was genuinely excited for yeah. JK Dobbins. And I think that says a lot about who Mark Ingram is. Uh, you know, that is a fantastic leadership quality. It might also start to point to Dobbins taking a bigger role uh, as as we move forward, which I wouldn't mind because I think Dobbins look really good. But Absolutely. that that's what you want out of your leaders. You don't want them to, you know, be me guys. Uh, no. he, he, and Ingram definitely is not that, you know, he everybody eats is uh, is his his uh, motto. So. That, that's and, really and I'm good not surprised like he's him. that way. I mean, you know, he's let's let's think about the guys he's had to play with over the years. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. you know, did he play with Pierre Thomas? I mean, obviously, obviously, Kamara, you know, the guys, the guys for the Saints, he had to split a lot of carries over the years. 
you yeah. know, so, you know, as for a guy that came in as a first round pick with a lot of hype, he sat for a mm-hmm. while, you know, he was never their number one guy. You know, I think for the most part, last season was the first time he really ever had the chance to be the number one guy, you know, and he proved that he was well worth it. And, you know, now he's at least proving that not only can he be the number one guy, he truly is that leader and he knows how to pass it on to the next generation, which is exactly what he said, I believe, after they drafted Dobbins. So I'm not surprised with how amazing he is with Dobbins and and you're right. I mean, he was, he was right there where any other athlete, you think about a guy like, not that I'm randomly picking someone to, to bash, but you know, like a guy like T.O. or, Hey, let's look at the game last week. OBJ sitting there like, like, uh, well, I, I was going to make a comment. I'll just leave it at, at <laughs> sitting, 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 looking dejected on the bench. Like, but also like he didn't care all yeah. at the same time. You know, that could have easily been Mark Ingram when you've got a rookie who's about to take the league potentially by storm and he gets two touchdowns in in areas where normally Ingram would be that guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is it is so great for the team, for J.K. Dobbins, for the coaching staff. I mean, he is just can't say enough about Mark Ingram. For sure. And I do expect him to be more effective going forward. We will talk about that in our preview of week two. But it seemed like Ingram was faulting himself a couple times on maybe what he felt were misreads by, by on some runs. So I do expect him to uh, you know clean that up and be more effective in week two. Uh, but if that's it, maybe we can flip it over to the defense. Who? was probably just as good as the offense was. They truly were. I mean, you think about the the confidence and of of our veterans on offense and some of the infusion of some of the rookies and stuff. You can you can say that and then some for the guys on defense. Yeah. I mean, it started on the first drive with the new guy, veteran Calais Campbell, who had two passes defended. The, the play that he made on the interception was astounding because he originally lined up on the left side of the defensive line and then dropped into the right side passing lane to get that deflection. And for a man of his size to be able to move that much that quickly is astonishing. And he is going to make a really big impact on this defense going forward. He, I, I mean, as we were texting during the game, I mean, I was pretty much ready to put him in our ring of honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first series, I was like, holy crap. I mean, we both were, but that just that, look, I think we all knew he was going to be impactful. You know, you hear about the size and blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. That's what we want on the defense. But then you see the man, and he's standing next to Brandon Williams, who's not small. Granted, he's not tall, but he's also not small. And Calais Campbell is towering over this man like he's Andre the Giant. And you're like, huh? And then you finally get to see him in these games. And how did we get him from the Jags 
for as little as we had to trade for him. I I don't really understand it. I'll be honest with you. I love it. And, you know, I can't wait for him to get us a Super Bowl, quite frankly. I mean, I I can't be can't be happier about Calais Campbell on this football team. For sure. I mean, he was he was really impactful from the first down um, that he played. Uh, you know, there was some success on the ground by the Browns. Uh, I think a couple of them were, you know, guys getting lined up late. Uh, I think it was actually Campbell who ran onto the field late for one of the big runs. But overall, I think that he and Wolf and Patrick Queen, you know, all kind of commented that like they're the guys that were brought in to help defend these stretch runs to the outside that outside zone and things like that and you know while the the browns did have some big runs um once the defense kind of settled in a little bit there wasn't much on the ground and and i think it just took just a little bit of time for for them to settle in and yeah they gave up the yards but Again, I mean, the Browns scored one time, and that was on the drive where they where they ripped off those two big runs. And you know, outside of that, you know, I think the I think that the run defense played really, really well uh, to uh, against uh, like a pretty solid offensive line and two really good backs in Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt. I agree. I mean, let's face it, Kareem Hunt looked looked rejuvenated in some respects. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, that's going to happen. You know, long runs by players like. Like uh, Hunt and and uh, oh God, I'm I'm Chubb. losing my thank you, Chubb. You know they're both electric running backs. I mean, so the fact that you know there were fantastic runs by the Browns, I'm, I mean that's going to happen. There are going to be a handful of really nice runs. It's at some point that will happen in the game. But you know, like you said, the Ravens were able to. Um, you know, bend, don't break. Um, you know, we've got these young linebackers, man. I think the biggest surprise for me was Harrison getting the start mm-hmm. next to Queen, yep, which cool. kind of really surprised me. Now, looking at their snap counts, Ford still got more snap counts, but he's probably also on special teams more than than uh, Harrison is, I would think, just because we know Ford's a, a great special teams player. But Either way, their snap count was pretty darn close. Um, so I, I expect that to continue. And I'm not sure if it really means much that Harrison started or if that had more to do with the fact that maybe Fort was on the kickoff coverage team or something. So they threw Harrison in. But I would imagine Harrison's probably on that team, too, you would think. Um, so anyway... I guess, you know, it, 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 it's pretty exciting to see him getting time along with Queen getting the minutes he got and playing as well as he did with a sack, a forced fumble, leading the team in tackles. I mean, OK, welcome to Baltimore. Yeah, that sounds like uh, some some middle linebackers that we've seen before. You know, I you know, my my favorite play by Queen was that um, forced fumble just because the the culture change that we kind of saw last year about forcing turnovers, whether it's Marlon Humphrey going for punches or going for, you know, stripping the ball out, you know, for a queen to, to step right in and, and be uh, ready to go with that was, was really nice to see. 
Um, I, I thought he looked pretty good. There were a couple times where maybe he was a little bit tentative taking on some blocks uh, in, in some of the other videos that I watched. But overall, I thought he was really good. Um, you know, there's there's always going to be some struggles for, for young linebackers, especially rookies, uh, especially ones that are going to be relied on as heavily as Patrick Queen is. But, um, you know, for, for your rookie rookie debut, that's pretty that's pretty good. Uh, eight tackles. The sack was, you know, he looked like he was shot out of a cannon on that sack. Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield had no chance. And, um, you know, I, I think that made it a third and 41. And at that point, I was like, yeah, this is uh, this is the same Browns that, yep. that we've been we've been <laughs> used to seeing. So it's time to flush it down. That's what yeah, we yeah. Uh, came to believe yet again. Yep. And then if we take it to the third level of the defense, Marlon Humphrey, good again. He had a couple penalties. I think they mentioned that he led the team in penalties or penalty yards last year, which was kind of a surprise to me. But um, well, know, I'm not surprised. Anything. I mean, there were. There were a few games where he had some tough penalties downfield. So I'm not, you know, especially with cornerbacks, I'm not surprised that that happens, especially yeah, with a guy as physical as Humphrey. For sure. And and it's a testament that he's just in close coverage a lot. Uh, yep. You know, so there's going to be some contact that gets called. But I thought, you know, he's in a great spot on the pick. Obviously, uh, he had some really good coverage on Odo Beckham Jr., um, the new guy, or I guess the returning guy, Tavon Young, I think he looked pretty good for his first time back out. Uh, Deshaun Elliott in his first start, uh, I thought he looked pretty good too. He looked aggressive. And um, Marcus Peters, you know, almost came up with an interception. Jimmy Smith oh, was he playing. was so trying. Yeah, he was, he so, was close. He was smelling it. Mm-hmm. He, I thought he was going to take one to the house. He, You yeah. know, and I have to say, I love having Mark, Marcus Peters on this defense, having that Ed Reed ability that at any point he could change the game and get a pick and take it. I mean, that that to me, to have that again on this defense. I mean, for so long, I would look at this team and go, God, we don't have any closers on this defense. Now we've got some. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at Peters, you look at Calais Campbell, and you add those guys to, you know, the the players like Humphrey that we already had on this defense and, you know, add in some of these young bucks and, and let's roll, man. It's, it's time. Yeah, definitely. So I think all three levels, really good. Um, you know, like I mentioned, there were the yards on the ground, but I'm not all that, all that concerned about that at this point. Um, the pass rush in general, I'll let you talk about this because you brought up a couple guys that the Ravens have had been rumored to, you know, try to acquire. But, you know, what are your th- thoughts on the pass rush in general and, and, and what might happen there this year? I mean, you know what? It's hard for me to have any sort of hot takes on the pass rush necessarily because I, I feel like we handled them, you know, the Browns fairly well. But it was really hard to, you know, really say, oh, my gosh. I mean, I think we, we did harass Mayfield a good bit where we only had, I think it was two sacks. You know, I still feel like we did an okay job getting into the backfield. Now, could the Ravens use another pass rusher? I think everybody would agree they could. Um, but I think, as you were alluding to, the interesting news that we're finding out, of course, there are moot points, really, but that the Ravens, it wasn't just talk for Ngakwe and for Clowney. 
Mm-hmm. So apparently uh, the Ravens may have had a deal for Ngakwe that was essentially agreed to, but they could never work out a way to get it under the cap. And then there was some wild sign-and-trade scenario where the Ravens were hoping to end up with Clowney that the NFL wouldn't let them move forward with. So, you know, it's interesting that despite how quiet everything seems to be, even and, and everybody kept connecting the Ravens with guys like Clowney just because he's a pass rusher on the market, well, it actually turns out the Ravens were actually a whole lot more interested in these players than I think anyone in the national media even gave credence to. Yeah. So what do you think that says about how they feel about their pass rush right now? I mean, I, and, and it's interesting. I don't know, but I will. Yeah, say it certainly doesn't doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence. I mean, you've got to wonder, you know, not that. You know, Sack Daddy, we talked about him before. I talked about how, you know, he did not look like he came into camp in fantastic shape. And, you know, you see him on those training camp videos and he's standing next to Jihad Ward and everybody's going like, Jihad Ward looks freaking cut. And you look at Sack Daddy and he's very much not, you know. And look, everybody's got different body types. I'm certainly not a cut individual, but you just got to wonder if maybe that actually was playing into it some. And, you know, this guy who we're looking at, you know, Ferguson's got to be a big piece for us. Mm-hmm. And that I, I that made me wonder. I have to admit, it made me wonder. Yeah, I mean, I guess – Always looking to improve your roster, for sure. That seems to be DaCosta's uh, approach to things. Uh, pass rush, I did think that Tyus Bowser looked really good. Uh, he did he have did. the one sack. Uh, he, he was good, and he had a, a pass defended as well. So I was pretty impressed with him, and he also had one more quarterback hit. And um, I, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, if they can get him going, that would be a, that would be a big-time benefit, obviously. Um, I didn't really see the interior rush that we were looking forward to uh, with with Derek Wolf and Clay's Campbell. Uh, it was I more didn't see so... much of Derek Wolf all day. Not yeah, saying, he, he, he not saying he wasn't doing his job. I, I but I just he didn't jump out on of the screen at me. Yeah, I, I think he did a really good job in the run defense. Um, and and. It seems to be one of those like Jarrett Johnson situations sure. in which he plays really well, but you never hear his name. And exactly, he never gets he's doing attention. dirty work out there. Right, right. you're right. He's yeah, he's doing the dirty work. But I I, th- I did think you know I, I watched a little bit uh, going back, and and thank you to our, our friend Mike Long for for the Game Pass access. But I was able to watch a little bit, and uh, you know he he did he did. Of course, we don't condone ever sharing passwords with with any of your friends or family for you know. No. You of course always no. want to have your own subscription. Yeah, right. And this is coming from the guy that works in cybersecurity. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, just just don't be stupid with it, I guess. But, <laughs> Sorry, we uh, digress. In, yeah. In general, I, I did think I, I was. Uh, you know, the Browns have a good offensive line. There's no doubt about that. I did want to see a little bit more of that interior rush, but 
you know, that's, uh, it's not, it's not going to happen every week. And, you know, we didn't really bring that many extra guys from what I saw, you know, there were times where we were doing like cover zero blitzes last year and trying to get pressure. I didn't really notice anything like that uh, this time around where we're just sending the house. Um, I think it was mostly just like four or five, six guys and, you know, trying to jump into the pass lanes otherwise. And, um, I mean, obviously it was effective. It was a good, good, uh, plan, but I would just like to see a little bit more, a little bit, uh, more consistency with it to try to force some, some more mistakes, especially with those closers. Like you said, we have that can make plays on the ball. Sure. Now, one thing to keep in mind though, too, is the impact of no preseason games. So mm-hmm. not only is that impacting players on the field, it's also probably impacting how the coaches are calling plays for the players. Because, you know, hey, let's face it, Wink Martindale, he knows what he has, but not really yet because they haven't played anybody. So as many changes as have, as have happened on the defense – you know, he may not be he may want to kind of figure out exactly what they can do in some of their more base sets before he starts dialing up a lot more of those exotic blitzes like we would see that, you know, we saw. And let's face it, we started seeing that even more as the season progressed last year and he got used to, you know, who he had to deal with, especially with all the in-season change from last year. So. I think we're going to see, you know, Wink Martindale's play calling certainly evolve. And, hey, let's face it, you know, we didn't think we were going to trade for Marcus Peters last year. So who knows what Eric DaCosta may have up his sleeves that he's already laid groundwork for that in season he ends up making some crazy move no one would have ever thought of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be something that we don't see coming, like like you said, and that'll be pretty cool if he turns out, if whoever we acquire, if we acquire, uh, turns out to be as effective as Marcus Peters. Um, let's see, anything else on the defense? I did want to mention LJ Fort coming up with the fumble recovery. Uh, good to see him contributing. I think he's going to be a very good depth linebacker for us. Uh, Absolutely. Harrison. Um, yeah. I couldn't be happy with our middle linebackers right now. Even Chris Board getting a little Mm -hmm. bit more playing time than I expected him to. Um, You know, I I, I think, you know, those four guys looked really good, um, especially the two rookies. I mean, you know, certainly Queen flashed a little bit more than Harrison, but Harrison still looks stout. He's a big boy out there. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, man, there's nothing like good linebackers. So it's fun to see. the, the the Ravens getting back there and and stacking stacking the linebacker group again for sure and and speaking of big rookies I uh, did want to shout out Broderick Washington as well you know he was able to get some of that interior rush that uh, you know I was I was referring to earlier on some of the running plays you know he he was pushing his offensive lineman back so you know a guy that we didn't really hear much about in training camp I think I kind of took that as a bad thing. But, uh, you know, again, without the preseason games, he's, you know, maybe not as much exposure to the media as as we're used to. But, uh, you know, he got some snaps. He was rotating in quite frequently. I think they did that a lot with the defensive linemen. But also the fact that he was ready to contribute, again, says a lot about 
this rookie class that really contributed across the board, offense, defense, and special teams, which is a really, really positive sign right off the bat. Absolutely. I mean, it's instant deep depth and, and you also have to look at a guy like Calais Campbell. I mean, he may, he, he has stated he was making it a point to grab, you know, Matabike, to grab, uh, 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 Broderick, what? Broderick Washington, and mm-hmm. you know, making sure that you know they knew you're following me around and you do what I do, and we might be seeing the fruits of that labor with some of their play. Yeah, we can only hope. You know, neither of those guys are six eight, but if they can contribute the way Campbell does yeah. in their career, that'll be pretty solid. Um, so maybe let's go and talk about the special teams. Pretty solid all the way around. I, I think my only note uh, negatively was uh, James Prochet letting a, a punt bounce and roll down to the one-yard line. He, uh, he and his coach came out and said today that, you know, just didn't like the way it was coming down. So rather than, you know, going in and muffing something and, and getting Lamar Jackson and the offense off the field, you know, just let him go 99 yards. It's all good. Well, you know what? There's something to that. I mean – I would rat if the guy's uncomfortable. Of course, you don't want him to do that on the, on every time. But you know, if the guy is uncomfortable for whatever reason, let it go. You mm-hmm. know, um, get out of the way and let it go. They'll deal with it. You know, so I think you know the 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 thing about both Prochet and Duvernay that I'm excited to see continue prove itself out is their hands. Yeah. And the fact everybody keeps just saying glowing things, both before they were drafted and since about how strong their hands are and about how, you know, no one's dropping passes and this, that and the other. So you got to as such a huge thing for our special teams. You think about the last few years with guys who could barely hold on to the ball ever you know just to have people back there even if they're not like dynamite return men like even if Prochet doesn't take a punt to the house this year and the longest punt he has is 25 yards or something like that if he is consistently solid catching the football and and not putting us in terrible positions that's great. Okay, let's roll. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. Yeah, for sure. I'll take that. But I will say, I do think Duvernay is going to take one back. He he was close. Uh, I think he had a 38-yard return, his first return. Um, he was close to breaking that one, I think. You know, he has the breakaway speed for it. Uh, so I really like the way that he looked on the kickoff returns. Uh, two things that I did want to point out in a good way was on the fake punt. Uh, it looked like uh, Anthony Levine, co-cap, was all over it right from when they lined up. He pointed something out, and, you know, the, the Ravens special team seemed to adjust. And, uh, you know, LJ Fort put his helmet right on the ball. And, you know, that was a really nice play, obviously big for the Ravens. You know, they got a field goal out of it. And the other thing I want to point out is uh, Justin Tucker on his field goal attempt. I don't know if you caught this on the broadcast or have seen a video uh, after the fact. But he drills his field goal, and um, do we do we curse on this podcast? Can we? I do. I do. Okay. I don't know right. if you do, but I yeah. certainly have. I yeah. I'm not sure if I have, but I'll quote Justin Tucker on this. He drills his field goal and screams, "Still fucking got it!" 
and <laughs> just picked up by the broadcast. And, you know, talk about bring your own energy. Justin Tucker is another one of those guys who always seems to bring it. If you're a field goal kicker, you got to pump yourself up somehow. And, uh, you know, after drilling a 40-plus yarder, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to celebrate That's how you awesome. got to celebrate. And he certainly still does have it. He was banging his kickoffs. He drilled that field goal perfect on the um, on the point after attempts. Justin Tucker is is just as good as we can expect him to be, and uh, you know he's great, man. You gotta love he's him in, in the Ravens uniform. Absolutely, I I, I never want to. I mean, you look at some of these other kickers, you know, guys like uh, Goskowski at this point. Um, even, uh, shoot, and I, I'm, his name's escaping me somehow. The guy from New England who went to the Colts. Um, oh, uh, Vinatieri. Thank you, Vinatieri. I mean, just struggled. the fact that, you know, he went, he went to another team. You know I mean? It, mm-hmm. I don't want to see that happen. I want yeah. Justin Tucker to stay a Raven until, until he's no longer in football. I, yeah, same. He is. And then, quite frankly, I want him to be a broadcaster after the fact. He's probably going to be pretty awesome, you know, in, in a media role. You know it's going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah, they'll definitely want him to join in for sure. I mean, he's – although that said, he'll probably end up being in, like, the Monday Monday fo- Monday night football booth. Or, <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I, I, I have no doubt that some national, national uh, show is going to pick him up to be one of their – he may be the sideline guy or whatever, but he's gonna definitely be in broadcasting. Yeah, after yeah. You just you just can very easily see that career trajectory for him. Um, anything else to add on the special teams? I mean, Sam Cook also good as always, angling his punts. No real returns against him. But, uh, I was just going to say, did we actually punt the ball? <laughs> I, think, I think we punted maybe <laughs> twice, maybe three another, times. Another low effort day for Sam Cook. Dude, um, what a job he has. Him and I forget the name of the Chiefs punter, um, but best jobs in the NFL. Yeah, three punts. Uh, netted, it averaged 41.7, netted 41.3, so he's... Picking up right where he left off. Yeah. He had two two he inside the twenty. Got it. Yeah. Yes, he does. Uh, the Wolf Pack is here to stay, and uh, yeah, yeah. So they're they're good to go. Um, so now we get to our segments. If you didn't have anything else to add, uh, no. the first one that I that I mentioned earlier was handing out a game ball, and this is essentially what you would expect out of any game ball situation. We will each pick one guy to give our kudos. So, Holly, who are you giving your game ball to? You know, I, I was going to give my, my game ball to, to Calais Campbell, but, you know, I'm going to give it to Patrick Queen instead. I mean, it, it it's pretty amazing when you see a guy who's a rookie, first game, you know, the legacy of middle linebackers that the Ravens have, and then you've even got him wearing a Ray Lewis T-shirt in his mm-hmm. post, post-game press conference. So he was made to be in this Ravens defense, and you know he gets my game ball because that's hopefully that just is is foreshadowing greater things to come. For sure, 
I am going to flip it over to the offense for my guy, Mark Andrews. The Mandrews, you know, he had the two touchdowns. He had he made the terrific catch on the first touchdown pass. You know, one of those, you know, quote-unquote bad throws that Lamar had on the day. But he, Mark Andrews came down with it. He had the second touchdown pass, adjusting his body for the back shoulder throw. He had a really nice third down conversion, reaching over Sendejo. I mean, the guy's a beast. You know, there's there's no way around it. Definitely, I mean, I will put him up with with Kelsey and George Kittle. You know, maybe Absolutely. not as good of a blocker there, but you know, he is just as big of a playmaker. He is he has evolved from that kind of safety blanket role into a big time playmaker, along with being a safety valve. So, Mark Andrews, he's a number my, one receiving target. Yes, absolutely. He is, he is a stud. He is a find for sure. Um, so the Patrick Queen and Mark Andrews get our game ball. Let's see. Now, let's see what order we want to do this in. What's our next thing here? Uh, pop of the week. So for our new listeners, our pop of the week, uh, you know, with all these new rules in place in the NFL, you know, we don't get those big hits uh, like we used to that are always legal. but some of them are legal, and, and, you know, we like to pick one out each week uh, for our best hit of the week that we call the pop of the week. Holly, what's yours? My, my pop of the week has to be uh, the uh, sack for, for my game ball winner, Patrick Queen. Um, first sack of his career, he just shot into the backfield, as you said earlier, like a rocket. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing more of that and more Patrick Queen in the backfield. So he gets my pop of the week. Now, I really like your pop of the week. Yeah, speaking of shot out of a cannon, that's what happened to Deshaun Elliott when he came up and cracked Kareem Hunt as he strung out a run to the left. The whole sideline went nuts, and you know when the sideline goes nuts, that's when you really squared somebody up. So Deshaun Elliott gets my pop of the week. And I want to give an honorable mention to LJ Fort forcing the fumble on the fake punt and setting up the Ravens in uh, for a scoring drive. So that's our pop of the week. Now, I think I think let's move to our newest segment and then we'll get into uh, our bulletin board material while we're doing our preview for week two. Our new segment is called Overreaction of the Week, and this is a blog that I used to write for the for the Baltimore Sports Report, uh, mostly about the Orioles. And I guess I had some overreactions, such as thinking that the, the Orioles were going to go to the playoffs in 2017 when they and when they added Alex Cobb, and then they w- ended up winning 47 or something games. So these are oh. not <laughs> accurate uh, by any means. But based on the information we know now, there are several things to overreact on. Give me one. Well, I'll point back to one of my uh, previous statements from earlier in this episode. As I texted you during the game, Calais Campbell into the Ravens ring of honor. I was ready to do it. All it took was (laughs) one drive, a couple passes batted down, a, you know, interception that wasn't even by Calais Campbell. But I was ready to put Calais Campbell in the ring of honor. That is my overreaction of the week. Yeah, he's well on his way. Just keep up this pace. He's well on his way. My overreaction of the week is going to be Willie Sneed 
stepping up as a very, very legit third option here. You know, we've heard a lot about Miles Boykin and Devin DuVernay and James Prochet coming in as new pass-catching options. Willie Sneed had four catches on Sunday. Three of them were for a first down, and the other was for a touchdown. Probably the most effective four catches of the afternoon. So I'm going to say Willie Sneed is going to be our number three leading receiver when all is said and done this year behind Andrews and Hollywood. Not one of those other guys. So Willie Sneed is going to be that big number three that we've been looking for. That's my now let me ask you: Is it because he feels lighter from the haircut? Does he no. feel lighter no, on his think, feet? Does that anything think, to do with that? I think he. I think he'll continue to grow it out as the season goes, and by the time okay. we're in the Super Bowl, it'll be back to where it was last okay. year. Okay. Okay. But Interesting. yeah, I, I was really uh, impressed by his. Uh, efficiency making plays on, on Sunday. So that's my overreaction of the week. So let's look forward to week two. The Ravens head to Houston to play the Texans, a team that the Ravens saw last year and, and dismantled quite handily. What are some of the things that you're looking for here? And uh, let's let's get into our bulletin board material along with this segment and uh, get into our prediction. Well, I think the biggest thing is obviously our offensive line against their defensive line. I mean, say say what you will about the Texans' defense, that is definitely uh, their strength. Anytime you've got J.J. Watt uh, anywhere coming at you, you've got to be careful. So that's that's what I'm looking at the most. I think if our offensive line can play well and, and dominate a bit, the the Texans defense, I think uh, it, it'll it'll go the Ravens way. Yeah, I, I agree. It's going to come down to what they do on the defensive line and with their linebackers. And so against the Chiefs, the Texans played a lot of light boxes, so less than seven guys up there, and the Chiefs were able to run with a uh, Clyde Edwards Elaire really effectively. And we know what the Ravens can do on the ground. So basically, how do the Texans choose to approach the Ravens' offense? Do they take the Browns' route and really sell out on the run and make make Lamar beat them through the air, or you know, do they see what he did to the Browns and try to see what their defensive line can do against our rushing attack? So I think that the Ravens are going to be a lot more efficient running the ball uh, this week. And that's why I mentioned earlier, Mark Ingram is going to get back on track, you know, maybe not over 100 yards, but um, efficiency wise, you know, yards per carry wise, I think he's going to have a lot uh, more frequent, you know, little bursts where he's able to get out into the open a little bit. So um, I think that the running game is going to be the name of the game for the offense this week. And then if we flip it over to the defense, um, you know, Deshaun Watson is, is a really talented quarterback. Um, but I'm not really scared of this offense. I'm not either. You know, Will Fuller had a nice opening game. He certainly had some talent. You know, Brandon Cooks has some talent as a wide receiver. Um, and, and look, Deshaun Watson's a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I think our defense is better than what what they can do. Yes, I agree. Um, I mean, just to put it simply, I, I I think our defense is better right now. Mm-hmm. And and they started off 
pretty hot against the Chiefs. Uh, they had a really good, you know, opening drive to score a touchdown, and then after that, they really didn't do very much, and they kind of looked a little discombobulated and then didn't really know what they wanted to do. And once you get in that position against the Ravens' defense, uh, I think that's a a recipe for disaster for you. So um, I'm I'm feeling pretty good, you know, about this game. I think I was a little bit more hesitant going into Week One than I am about about this Week Two matchup. But um, I mean, do, do you want to put somebody in the bulletin board for this game? Well, you know what? I will. I, and and as much as I've praised them this week, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and put the rookies up on the bulletin board. You know, it's been a it was a fun first week. Uh, everything came up roses, but you know what? First road game, uh, you gotta have your stuff together. Get keep your mind right. You know, keep. Uh, paying attention to those veterans because the NFL is going to come bite you in the ass pretty quick. So, you know, rookies, you're on notice. One game does not make a career. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. I'm going to go with the offensive line. Um, and I know I said earlier that I wasn't going to be too hard on them because it's just one week, but it's not going to be directly about their play. Um, the Browns seemed very intent on making contact with Lamar every chance that they got. So I want the offensive line to just keep him a little bit cleaner or, you know, have his back a little bit when, you know, there there's maybe a, a slightly late hit or, or, you know, they bang into him a little bit. I want to see them, you know, come to Lamar's defense a little bit and, you know, don't even give the defensive line or the blitzer that kind of opportunity, you know, to allow them to get that close. So, you know, not directly on their play, I guess, but I, I want to see just a little bit more nastiness out of them, I guess, is, is what is, I'm Are we seeing the lack of Marshall Yonda? Um, maybe, but it, again, it's just been one week, and it's hard to tell. Well, sure, but that's an interesting point, because mm-hmm. Marshall Yonda was kind of Lamar's bodyguard. Yeah. You know what I mean? If there was if there was a guy on the offensive line that was going to go rip somebody's head off, it it was going to be Marshall Yonda. I'm not sure who that is on our offensive line right now. You know that's, what I mean? Uh, yeah, that's Let's an interesting it. point. Yeah. Stanley, you know, Tyree Phillips seems like just a good dude. Orlando Brown Jr. does not seem like he's got his father's crazy. You know, and mm-hmm. that's probably to his his uh his benefit in some respects too but you know they they don't seem to have that loose cannon oh i'm gonna you you just touched my quarterback i'm gonna take you down kind of guy right. um which i think they probably need to develop that that characteristic somebody does yeah, yeah, I'd love to see a little bit more nastiness out of out of at least one of them. You know, nothing stupid. I don't want any you know no, crazy no, yard penalties. Not, yeah, but you know, just have a guy there be like, yeah, you know. I'm not looking for fights, uh, but guys right. need to understand that cheap shots against Lamar are not are not allowed. Right, because you know, if the Browns are trying it, then every other team in the league that the Ravens see are going to try it. Just to you know, Absolutely. try to get him uncomfortable a little bit, but you know. Yeah, you gotta have your guys stand up for you a little bit, and I just want to see a little bit out of that, out of the, out of the offensive line. You know, maybe it's gonna be a guy like Boyle, but I would rather it be one of the big hogs up yeah. front. 
I mean, it could be Ricard, I guess, too, mm-hmm. or somebody like that. But you know, he's got that defensive mentality. You're certain one of the running backs, but we need we need one of the offensive linemen to be that guy. You know, yeah. I'm not sure who that is, uh, but hopefully that develops. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So the rookies on notice, offensive line. Let's let's get a little bit more nastiest. Uh, that's they are on notice. And let's get into a prediction. Week two, the Ravens traveled down to Houston to play the Texans. What do you got here? You know, I, I initially had, had picked the Ravens to lose this game. I, after seeing the Texans last week, I'm, I, I am not going to continue with that prediction. So I'm going to say the Ravens win 31-20. to 20. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. The over under is at fifty two, so you're right around there. Um, I was gonna go thirty one thirteen. I I just don't think that um, the Texans can mount much against our defense. I think our defense is just a little bit too talented for for what they're gonna throw out there, and for what they're gonna call on offense. Uh, did you know that their offensive coordinator is a uh, an ex defensive lineman? Really. No, yeah. I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, he's been an offensive coach before, but, uh, yeah, he, he played defensive line, and now I, I I, don't think I had heard anything like that before. I think Juan Castillo maybe was an offensive line coach and then became a defensive coordinator some along, somewhere along well, the way well, in, he, in Philly. Was, or, or I guess for Philly, yeah, because, yeah, that's exactly what happened, right? wasn't it? Yeah. He was like – their offensive line coach, and then they decided to make him the defensive coordinator for some reason. Yeah, yeah. So it was just like kind of strange to see a defensive lineman. Well, I know that for us, uh, Nolan, when he came to the Ravens, I guess it was the year after the Super Bowl uh, because we kept Marvin Lewis again another year. And... Nolan ended up coming in and we didn't have any defensive slots. So like he ended up being like a wide receivers coach or something for a year or something really weird. And then he was our defensive coordinator the next year. Yeah. Right. After Marvin Lewis left. Uh, But that's way different though than, than yeah, that's just weird though to have the, a defensive lineman be an offensive coordinator. That's yeah, very strange. So, yeah, he played D line in college, and then and then shifted over to the offensive side for his coaching gotcha. career. But just a uh, just an interesting shift there. That yeah. I, I thought you know he's also the quarterbacks coach. So yeah, and I'm just not entirely sure how that works. Defensive coordinator, right, Anthony Weaver. Yes, yes. Former Ravens yeah, second right. round pick. Mm-hmm. He was a solid player. I liked him. Yeah, absolutely. Weaver was a was a very good player. Yep. Yep. Okay. So you got thirty-one twenty. I said you said thirty-one twenty, right? Uh thirty to yeah, thirty to twenty-one. Yeah. Okay. At thirty twenty-one. Oh no, thirty-one. 31 I'm sorry, you were right. Thirty-one to twenty is what I said. Okay, and I had thirty-one thirteen. Both relative blowouts. You know, I think the Ravens are favored by seven. Um, so picking them to win and to cover there. You know, good teams win, great teams cover. So. I think the Ravens are in that great team category this Absolutely. week. Absolutely. They'll be ready to rock. 
if you don't have anything else to add, do you want to sign us off? No, I don't have anything uh, too much more to pass along other than, folks, fall is upon us. I hope you're enjoying the windows open, the nice cooler breeze starting to come in. You're having your pumpkin spice lattes, and you're loving your Ravens football. It's great to have it back, and uh, keep uh, your purple-colored glasses on because I think our weekends are just going to continue to get better. Say it with me, TK. Go Ravens. Go Ravens.